Into fantasy baseball today, presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. Friday, September 24th, Frank Stample joined as always by Scott White today on the pod. It's the final countdown championship yeah. week preview. Yeah, we'll be what are we doing playing Kokomo at the top here? This is no time to relax. <laughs> Got to be on the edge of your seat. Well, I would love to play Gotta... the final countdown, Scott, but uh. You know, copyright issues. I can't do that. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, we could just have the. What was? It? I can't even remember what the guy says now. Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam—they're <laughs> gonna help you win your league. <laughs> Scotty yeah. fired up. That you. guy. We could. We could bring. We could. We could bring that guy in for the the final countdown, Frank. All right. Should I? Should I redo the intro? I think so. No, no, I can't do that. It's Pokemon <laughs> Friday. Out. Got a nice little story about Kokomo Friday in just a second. Two-star pitchers we'll talk about. I've got some would-you-rather questions for Scotty streamers for the weekend, and we will answer some of your email questions later on. All right, so Kokomo Friday, the song is actually made by a gentleman named Doc Crosser. This gentleman is on my, our, Chris and my softball team. And I met him for the first time last week. We played our first game. I actually pitched a complete game, Scott. It was the first time I, I... It was the first time I You're pitched You're a regular LeVon Hernandez, Frank. Well, it's a it, funny story about that. Five minutes before the game started, I asked everybody, has anyone ever pitched here in softball? Nobody raised their hand. Seeing as how I am the captain of this team, uh, it was pretty p- uh, poor planning by me. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? I guess I'll just pitch. And uh, actually... Uh, I pitched all right, if I must say so myself. The umpire actually uh, gave me gave me a nice little pat on the back. He's like, oh, is this your first time pitching? You're doing pretty well. Uh, anyway, Doc Crotzer, I was talking to him. He made the Kokomo Friday theme song, and he goes, dude, we have to update it. We have to get yeah. you into the Kokomo Friday theme somehow. So for anyone who's still listening or watching at this point in the season, if you want to make some kind of like alternate lyrics to Kokomo Friday with me included somehow... Get fun with it, creative, whatever you want to do. Maybe we move on from Kokomo Friday. We'll always still kind of play Kokomo Friday. But if you have an idea for like another fun song that Doc Crotzer can put together, let us know. Email us, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Enough of the mumbo jumbo, Scotty. Let's jump right in. Oh my good goodness gracious. That was a little bit low. Oh my good goodness gracious. Just in case uh, everyone needed a double take there of our, our girl Susan. Oh my goodness gracious from the past couple days. Who you got, Scotty? Well, from Wednesday, I got Joe Ryan of mm. the Minnesota Twins, who was making his first start in eight days, I believe. Remember, he had left his previous start after taking a liner off the wrist. Uh, he was great. He was great in his return to the mound at the Cubs. He struck out 11 in five innings, allowed three hits, two runs, and uh, has been great in all four of his starts now. Between those four starts, has allowed a total of 10 hits in 22 innings while striking out 25, walking only three. That's a .59 whip, if you're keeping track at home, in those four starts. 
his matchups for the final week of the season, presuming he takes his final two turns, and I don't see why he won it. His matchups are versus Detroit and at Kansas City. Joe Ryan is available in more than half of CBS Sports Leagues, and those are his two matchups for the final week of the season. And you just heard how he's pitched in the four starts he's made so far. So he's the number one sleeper pitcher for this upcoming week. If memory, if my memory is accurate, this is the first time all season that a sleeper pitcher has somebody who's rostered in few enough leagues to, for me to call him a sleeper pitcher is in the must start section of my two star pitcher rankings. Mm. Uh, Joe Ryan is this week. Yeah, and uh, I guess it kind of makes sense, just given you know how many people are paying attention to fantasy baseball at this point, but. People are playing, there are people playing for something everywhere. Roto League, if your head-to-head league is still playing it out until the final week of the season, get this guy on your team. Also has fantastic hair, by the way. So big fan of the hair from Joe Ryan. Uh, He was fantastic in the starts, guy. I will point out that while he has been great over this his first four starts, uh, it's been two times against Cleveland, two times against the Cubs. So obviously those are great matchups. I don't really understand Joe Ryan. Uh, His matchups this week are even better. Yeah, I mean, he is facing the Tigers and the Royals. I will point out the Royals are fifth in weighted on base average the last 14 days, so they're swinging a hot stick as of now. We'll see what happens over the weekend. I still do like Joe Ryan in those matchups. Uh, I just just don't really get him. I, I will point that out. He throws like 91, 92 miles per hour. I watched the highlights of the start. They were talking a lot about like perceived velocity. So I think he does a good job of hiding the ball and and probably yep. get some nice extension there. But doesn't throw well, very hard. The spin rate. 70, 72% fastballs too. That's so like. It's so weird. That's, that's not literally all he throws, but that's obviously his make or break pitch is that. 91 mile per hour fastball. And I don't really understand why it's so good. It's 35th percentile in spin rate. So it's, it's yeah. not like it doesn't, it's not very fast. It's not, there's not a lot of spin on it. So mm-hmm. it, he's well, just, well, he's an you can understand pitcher. why he didn't get much hype as a prospect, even though he was, yep. um, you know, tearing up the minor leagues. It's, it's reminiscent of uh, Christian Javier, I think, except even more extreme. Yeah. Freddie Peralta is someone you brought up as well. Yeah. With him, which I think is a good comp because when Freddie Peralta first came up, he was like 80 percent fastball. And yeah, barely with. Yeah, that's true. Stuff. I mean, he, Javier didn't. Javier did have a you know good breaking ball in the minors, so he wasn't just the fastball. But I mean, in terms of how thoroughly he dominated the minor leagues, and yet it seemed like uh, you know the, the the prospecting world paid no attention to him. I do think Joe Ryan's. Breaking pitch, I believe it's a slider that he throws. I think it's pretty good. I've seen him get some some pretty nice whiffs on it, but maybe he's just using this fastball until people kind of figure it out, and then he's going to transition off of it. I think he's still going to use it a lot. But anyway, that was a long way of saying like he confuses me, but I would use him in the final week of the season. So definitely go out and add him where he is available, and go out and potentially add this pitcher as well. Oh my goodness gracious for me, Alex Cobb, uh, making his this is a second time a second start off the IL, right, Scott? Yes. Okay, so he's up against the Houston Astros, and we kind of wanted to see how this start went. We didn't want to start him against the Astros because they are a tougher matchup, and, and it works out pretty well here. Five and two-thirds, one run, four walks to three stri- uh, three walks to four strikeouts, rather, and velocity was up a little bit. They left him out there just a little bit too long, pushing him into the sixth inning. That's when he gave up the, the run in this start. But overall, 
I thought he looked very good. And I, he is mm-hmm. up against the Texas Rangers next week. So, yeah, and not mm-hmm. to the same level of Joe Ryan because Ryan has two starts. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about Alex Cobb in that, in, in that spot. He's my number two sleeper pitcher for next <laughs> week after Joe Ryan. So I'm excited, nice. too. And remember, you know, in addition to the Astros being a tough matchup and it being his second, uh, just a second turn back from the IL, uh, part of the reason we wanted to sit Cobb for this week is because he only threw 67 pitches in that first start. Managed to go beyond five because it was really efficient, but we wanted to see him stretch out too, stretch out more before we trusted in him. So, you know, for our purposes, it's kind of a good thing they left him out as long as he did. He he threw 93 pitches, so he seems like he's ready to take on a normal workload in that start at the Rangers next week. And um, 331 xFIP on the year. Good strikeout rate, good ground ball rate, uh, good swinging strike rate, I should say. And uh, I think uh, I think well worth using in the last week of the season. Yeah, he's only 30% rostered, so even more available than Joe Ryan. You need a streamer for the final week. Alex Cobb makes sense. I would like to publicly apologize to Chris Towers for making fun of him earlier in the year when he was touting Alex Cobb, because here we are in the final week of the season touting Alex Cobb. News and notes, the Rays are planning on having Shane Boz start Sunday against the Marlins, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And I've got this big old smile on my face because I mentioned I started him in Tout Wars and I need all the help that I could possibly get. And starting against the Miami Marlins is definitely uh, help that I I can use. So Shane Boz looked awesome in his debut against the Blue Jays. We talked a lot about that. And Scott, I, I think... Wherever he's available in daily lineup leagues, you should go out and add him for the start on Sunday. Yes, you should with a matchup that good. You know, I still ha- I still doubt he's going to go the minimum required for a quality start, but he was very efficient through five in that start against the Blue Jays, and this matchup, matchup is on the other end of the spectrum. And I just, as impressive as he was, I can't see him... Obviously, it could happen. It's only a second career start, but it's hard to imagine him um, not carving up that Marlins lineup that was much that looks much like the AAA lineups he was facing before he got called up. You know, yeah, for sure. So it may only be in five innings, but maybe not. I mean, it's more likely with each passing start that we see him go the distance that a normal starter would go. So, you know, even if you don't play in a daily lineup league and you can't take advantage of that matchup against the Marlins, his matchup next week, instead of being at Houston, is now at the Yankees. It's still not great, but it's better. And, uh, you know, if if he does go six-plus against the Marlins, then I, I think at the Yankees, he'll be... He'll be really attractive still. He'll be a really attractive play. I have him fifth on my uh, sleeper pitchers list for next week. I've already given a third of the list, so I don't even know what we're going to talk about when I when we do that segment <laughs> of the podcast. Oh, man. Shane Boz is 39% roster on CBS. Again, for those who play in daily lineup leagues this weekend or uh, if you play in a weekly one at the Yankees next week. I am so nervous right now, Scott, because the Yankees have three series left against the Red Sox, the Rays, and the Blue Jays, and they have a one-game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays at this point in the wild card. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen, but uh, that's what makes this time of year fun. Uh, well, I guess someone would call it fun. It's, it's, it's more scary for me than anything. From one Shane B to another, 
Shane Bieber will officially make his return on Friday against the Chicago White Sox and will be limited to around 75 pitches. And you said that you would not start him his first time back. Yeah, uh, probably not. Probably play it safe. But if if he looks fine, if he makes it 75 pitches, then presumably he'll even he'll be able to throw even more the next time out. And that next start for Shane Bieber would be at Texas the final week of the season. So may not want to use him against the White Sox, but at Texas, provided everything looks good on Friday, then uh, then you could still get one start out of Shane Bieber this year. Stashed him all that time for one start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, good times. Chris Bassett made his triumphant return on Thursday against the Mariners. He went three innings. He allowed one hit, one walk, had four strikeouts. Let's take a look at how the velocity and everything was looking yep. here. Velocity was good. Spin was good. Okay. Five swinging nope. strikes on 48 pitches. He's not yeah, really. He's only a 10. He's only a, like a 10% guy normally anyway. So right. um, that, that wasn't the key to his success before. Kind of really hard to tell what the key to his success was before, but you know it had been going on all of this year, all of last year, as short as it was, and I think pretty much everybody considered Chris Bassett a must-start pitcher before he took that liner off the face, and uh, yeah, he comes back looking much the same, albeit on just forty-eight pitches. So I don't know exactly how many pitches he's going to throw next week. I presume he'll be able to throw more than forty-eight. But uh, is he going to be able to give you six? I kind of doubt that. The matchup is at Seattle, though, so I I could see I could see wanted to use Chris Bassett next week. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Forty-eight pitches. I don't know how far they're going to want to push him. Like maybe he gets up to sixty-five, seventy. Yeah, I guess it just comes down to how efficiently he could pitch. He was very good in this yeah. start back, and it's it's a strong matchup at the Mariners. So. I don't know. Uh, points league, he's not going to give you a lot of volume. Roto, maybe if you're just looking for some ratios, I think he can help you there. But I, I just don't know if he's even going to go five to get a win. So it is it is tough to uh, trust. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think if he pitches well, th- there's a pretty good chance he goes five. All right. Um, I, I, I could see him even going beyond 70 pitches. I can't see him throwing like 90 pitches, but 75... You know, and, and if he's pitching as efficiently as he usually does, that, that should get him through five innings. So, you know, it's, it, it mostly comes down to will he pitch well or not. And at Seattle, after the way he looked here on Thursday, I like his chances of, of pitching well. Lourdes Griel left early Thursday after Randall Grichuk accidentally stepped on his hand. X-rays were negative, though he received two stitches. And this comes at a bad time as Lourdes Griel was on fire in the month of September. So my guess is he'll miss at, at least one game. I'm, uh, it's just a guess, but uh, hopefully he's good to go by lineup locks for next week uh, for anyone who plays in a weekly lineup league. Yordan Alvarez left Wednesday's game due to general soreness. He was out of the lineup Thursday as well, so we'll monitor the situation for Alvarez. Oh, Scotty's shaking his head. You worried? Just that, that general soreness always pushing people out of the lineup. Who's this guy think he is? Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about general soreness. We had Adam Duvall left Thursday's game due to fatigue in his legs. So, 
not exactly general soreness, but not far off either. Uh, he is expected to be in Friday's lineup for the Braves. Wade Miley won't make his next start until at least Monday's makeup game against the Pirates after the Reds pushed him back in their pitching schedule while he manages a stiff neck. And if that's the case, he will line up for two starts next week, Scotty. One of them we know is going to be against the Pirates, but Wade Miley has pitched... Both of them are against the Pirates. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, there were three teams that had games rained out, what was it, on... Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yeah. And they all got... There were were three games that were rained out on Wednesday. They all got moved to Monday, and it just so happens that for each of those teams, they were lined up to face that same team for the very last uh, series of the season. So there are three... Or how many pitchers? There are a few pitchers next week who are facing the same team twice, which mm. is weird, but interesting. That's just that's just the way it worked out. So Wade Miley is sixty three percent started on CBS, <laughs> two starts against the Pirates, but he's pitched poorly. Would you right? He's you start him very poorly, and you wonder how much of that has to do with the back, right? It's his back, neck soreness, neck, yep. back, neck. They're all connected. Uh, you you wonder how if 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 maybe he wasn't feeling well during this whole month, or if it was just a lot of regression hitting all at once. Because we're talking multiple starts where he's allowed double digit hits, right? So um, I have him in the head to head only section of my two star pitcher rankings, as favorable as those matchups are. I can't really see myself putting my trust in him in a roto league, unless I just really don't care about ERA and whip and I'm just looking to, to fill the volume stats as much as I possibly can. But you know, it's not like he's a big strikeout pitcher anyway. So I just, I just don't know that it's worth it in roto league to start, to start Wade Miley. Wade Miley has made three starts against the pirates this year. And he has a 2.60 ERA in those starts. Mike Moustakis was placed on the IL with right foot plantar fasciitis. Michael Brantley's progress has been slowed as he attempts to return from a knee injury. Anthony Santander has missed the last two games due to a hamstring injury. Yusei Kikuchi may not make his next turn through the rotation, which is currently projected to come Tuesday against the A's. If you've held on to Kikuchi at this, to this point, you, you shouldn't have because he's pitching very very poorly as well. Uh, yeah. But you can drop him if you, if you need a they're, roster they're, spot. They're saving you from yourself yeah, basically. By, by shutting him down for the season. Uh, Reed Detmers was reinstated from the IL and then optioned to AAA. He's a big-time pitching prospect for the Angels, though he has not pitched well this season in the majors. Alejandro Kirk has started just two of the Blue Jays' last seven games and does not have a hit since September 13th. So he was hot there for a little bit, uh, but Kirk has... Slowed down, and his playing time has uh, slowed down as a result as well. Pablo Lopez started a rehab assignment Thursday, but it's too late for him to return as a starting pitcher. And Yadiel Hernandez was placed on the paternity list and will miss one to three days. Normally, we do a prospect report. Uh, unless I missed something, Scott, did you have any kind of prospect-related article? No, I mean, yeah. minor leagues... Other than AAA, the minor league season's over for all the other levels. I think there are some playoff games going on, but players are done accumulating stats everywhere but AAA. So, um, so yeah, uh, prospect report is no more. It's over! But I did want to mention one prospect update. Rangers starting pitcher prospect Cole Wynn was promoted to AAA. 
All right, let's do it. Championship week pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels. Scheduling for next week, 24 teams have six games, and then six teams have seven games next week. That includes Cleveland, the Tigers, the Royals, the Marlins, the Mets, and the Pirates. Let's start with two-star pitchers, yeah. as we always do, Scotty. Well, it's funny. Six teams have seven games, and um, as you mentioned... There were only two games originally scheduled for Monday before all those rainouts happened on Wednesday and upped it to five. Mm-hmm. So um, really light, even so, really light schedule on Monday. Uh, so just keep that in mind. You'll you'll have a chance to continue tinkering with your lineup except for for those uh, those teams that happen to be playing on Monday. Um, two-star pitchers, yes. Pull those up. So as I mentioned, Joe Ryan is the obvious winner here. Only 48% rostered. There's two great matchups. I consider him a must-start. In addition to being the top sleeper pitcher, Cole Irvin, who I think was originally scheduled for two starts this week. I don't know what changed. I guess maybe Bassett rejoining the rotation. But anyway, he's scheduled for two starts next week now. One at Seattle, one at Houston. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call him must-start, but... He generally pitches deep into games, and one of his two matchups is awesome. So I know the second matchup could be better, but generally speaking, two's better than one. Now, here's a really interesting one. We haven't talked about him yet and his performance on Wednesday. Josiah Gray. Mm. Josiah Gray on Wednesday had an awesome start. Looked much like the guy we got so excited about when he first joined the Nationals. He was at Miami, so favorable ballpark, favorable lineup. But he allowed two earned runs in six innings, struck out eight on 20 swinging strikes. It equaled to season high, actually, those 20 swinging strikes. Uh, and, and of the 20 swinging strikes, 12 came on the slider, which he threw 29% of the time. Now, I bring that up because Josiah Gray, during that awful four-start stretch that preceded this one, when there were a lot of home runs, a lot of walks, he had pretty much faded the slider. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just lost confidence in the pitch or didn't have a feel for it or whatever. Um, but it's clearly a big part of his ability to miss bats, and it was back in full force in the start at Miami on Wednesday. So the thing is, four of his last five starts have been awful, but the most recent one was dominant. And at his best... This year, Josiah Gray has been pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do the Larry David thing, man. <laughs> that just accidentally came out. Two-start week coming up at Colorado versus Boston. Tough matchups, right? <sighs> I could see using him in a head-to-head points league if you just had to push in your chips and sell out for upside just you know my my only hope is to just throw everything i can at this opponent and uh hope i get lucky with Josiah Gray hope the good version of Josiah Gray with the the good slider shows up i could see how someone might want to do that it's obviously very risky so it's not the safe play at all uh but i do have Josiah Gray as a sleeper pitcher for next week and that pretty much does it for the two start options. Just those three Joe Ryan, Cole Irvin, Josiah Gray that are available enough to mention here. 
I'll point out Cal Quantrill has two great matchups versus Kansas City versus uh, versus Kansas City at Texas. But with those matchups, with the way he's pitched recently, I would consider him a must-start. I mean, there just aren't that many two-star pitchers in general this week with all the teams playing six games. All right, so let's look at some single-star streamers, guys that we know are going to pitch, uh, and we think we know what their matchup is going to be. Obviously, we already spoke about Alex Cobb, someone we like for next week. Who are a few of those other names you're looking at? So, let's see. Logan Gilbert against the Athletics. Just because of how well he's pitched, it's not a particularly good matchup. But he's been uh, among pitchers who are available. He's somebody I, I like his chances. Shane Baz at New York. We talked about him. Tyler McGill against the Marlins. It's a really good matchup. He's been he's been hit or miss. His good starts have generally been really good, but he he's been knocked around a few times too. But against the Marlins, I like his chances. Antonio Senzatella. At Arizona, he just had a long quality start streak snapped last time, but elite walk rate, elite ground ball rate. You can understand why he's had success, even though he's not a big bat misser. Brady Singer and Carlos Hernandez both are in line to face the Indians this week. So, you know, they're they're not bad if you need to fill a hole. Uh, Tyler Anderson against the Angels, he's not bad either. I'm not. I'm not saying any of these guys beyond beyond Alex Cobb and Logan Gilbert and Shane Boz. Any of them are particularly exciting. But you know, if if you have a need to fill, if you have a lineup spot to fill, guys like Miguel Singer, Carlos Hernandez, the matchups are right for them this week. I will throw a few names out there myself. I know that you did. Did you mention Michael Pineda, Scott? I know that you had him on your pitchers to stash list. Yeah, I I didn't. He is he's going against the Tigers. Yeah, but he didn't quite make the cut for me here. Yep. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Uh, it looks like maybe you have something different, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But Rich Hill is facing the Marlins, so he's kind of been like McGill recently, hit or miss. But he's had some good starts mixed in there, uh, and looks like he's projecting at home against the Marlins, and then. I will throw Adrian Hauser out there at the Cardinals. More of a deeper league play. He's 41% rostered. Uh, He's allowed just four earned runs over, no, five earned runs over his last four starts. So he's been pitching pretty well, uh, turned in a quality start in his most recent one against the Cardinals as well. Do you have Rich Hill against the Marlins? Yeah. Yeah, he's scheduled to go against the Marlins. Okay. Yeah, so I'll throw him and Adrian Hauser out there as as a few deeper league plays if if you're looking for some matchups at this point. Some sleeper hitters, Scott, that you're looking at rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues. Well, the Cubs have the third best matchups this week, IMHO. You know know um, what that means. The Cubs have a lot of interesting hitters. Oh, yeah. Frankie two hits. Oh, yeah. Number two is number one. In my sleepers hitters, on my sleepers hitters list, as he is most every week, the Cubs matchups aren't just awful because uh, he keeps getting two hits every game with good power as well. So I, I don't know why he's still available in a third of CBS sports leagues. You know, I, I know more leagues than that have somebody who's paying attention. He deserves to be rostered by everybody in every league, no matter the size. You could use him. You could use Frank Schwindel in the season's final week. But not just him. I mean, Ian Happ has, uh, I think he homered again on Thursday. He's been pretty hot lately. Uh, Rafael Ortega, not as much. But 
uh, he, he tends to perform particularly well against right-handers and five of the six pitchers the Cubs are scheduled to face are against righties. Patrick Wisdom could also be interesting for that reason. Number two on my sleepers hitters list is actually Brendan Rodgers, another guy we talk about a lot here. He has heated up in September, already five home runs, batting well over 300 for the month. And the Rockies are at Coors Field for their first series and then at Arizona for the second series. There are no pitchers to be found in Arizona. So I imagine Rodgers is going to stay hot. Enrique Hernandez, who's always been a lefty masher, the, the Red Sox, not only do they have the fourth best matchups this week, but four of the pitchers they're scheduled to face are left-handers. So I like Enrique Hernandez a lot. Lane Thomas, your guy, Frank. Yeah. Lane Thomas having a big month. Getting on base a lot, batting leadoff for the Nationals. Uh, and they have a series at Colorado this week, so that should help his cause as well. Two middle infielders who just continue to produce, regardless of the matchups, it seems like. Nicky Lopez and Kyle Farmer. I like both of them this week. And we're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave it at that, and you're going to have to check the site for a few more names that I have here for you. Uh, Lane Thomas and those Washington Nationals, they are, they're hitting well right now. They are eighth in Woba over the last 14 days. So they're, they're a pesky bunch. Juan Soto has got it going. He's hit three home runs over the last two games. And of course, Lane Thomas leading off there with a few matchups in Coors Field. Definitely on board with you there, Scotty. Uh, Brendan Rogers, I did want to point out, uh, hit another home run on Wednesday, 15th home run. He's having a real big September. 305 batting average, five homers, and 866 OPS. We talk about Brendan Rodgers a lot. Rightfully so. He is hot right now and does have one more series uh, next week in Coors Field. So there you have it. The Championship Week Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Line and Kugels. And it is a stressful weekend in baseball. Lots of close races in the wild card, the National League East, the National League West. I'm going to sit back, watch my Yanks take on the Red Sox with an ice cold Line and Kugels Summer Shandy in hand. Smooth blend of beer and refreshing lemonade that hits just right when enjoying a baseball game. And the Summer Shandy isn't all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories. And let's not forget about their Lemon Haze IPA, a well-balanced hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. So no matter what type of beverage you're craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to Liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com. Or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. Let's take a quick break. When we return, a few would you rather waiver wire questions for the final week of the season here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, would you rather number one, Cabert Ruiz or Mitch Garver? The other day, 
I jumped the gun. I said, Mitch Garver, ah, we don't have to worry about this guy. And then he goes out and has a pretty big game on Thursday. Goes three for four with a double, an RBI, a run scored. He's 51% rostered. Six games next week against Tigers and Royals pitching. That sounds pretty good to me. And then Cabert Ruiz, we mentioned the other day, does have that series in Coors Field. So who would you go with in the final week, Scott? Ruiz or Garver? Uh, that's a tough call. I'm not thrilled about starting either. Mm. Um, I'm trying to see how regularly Kbert Ruiz starts, and he sits every third game or so himself. You know, Garver's had two multi-hit games since returning, two three-hit games since returning, but then he sat out the day in between, and that's kind of been an issue for him. Whenever he's been healthy this year, still hasn't played that much. Um, but I think since Ruiz isn't starting all that regularly himself, I will... I, I'll say Garver. All right, Mitch Garver over Ruiz for the final week of the season. How about if you need... In outfielder, all of these are rostered between 40 and 55% of CBS leagues. Brandon Nimmo in eight September games. He's batting 303. He's got one homer, one steal. The Mets have seven games next week. Austin Hayes went two for four on Thursday with his 22nd home run. He's 51% rostered. Six games next week. It looks like two lefties are on the schedule. I know that Hayes mashes lefties. I will point out that they are uh, Chris Sale and Robbie Ray, so... Pretty tough yeah. lefties at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, though. Hayes has nine home runs in September. Of his oh, yeah. 22 home runs, nine have come in September. Yeah, he's crushing it. He's having a real big month, as is Gavin Lux, who went two for four with a stolen base on Thursday. 11 games since returning. He's batting 444, two doubles, one triple, one homer, one steal, 40% rostered, six home games for the Dodgers next week, and it looks like one lefty is on the schedule as of now. Nemo, mm-hmm. Hayes, Lux. How would you rank them, Scotty? Well, um, none of them are among my sleeper hitters for next week, even though they all qualify in terms of roster rates. So I'll point that out first thing. Um, So basically, Lane Thomas over all of them, if he's available. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yep. Uh, As hot as Hayes is, I just, I don't love the Orioles matchups, and there's not enough lefties, as you pointed out. Um... I'll rank them, uh, let's see here. Well, the Mets do have seven games. So I think I'm going to go Nemo number one, followed by Hayes, I guess, followed by Gavin Lux, because I'm a little curious how the playing time is going to shake out for Lux with A.J. Pollock back. Pollock was in the lineup with a lefty on the mound Thursday, got hit two doubles. Now, Lux was also in the lineup against the lefty, actually started in center field, and uh, got two hits himself. But they have other directions they could go. So um, I'll put Lux third on this list. Nemo, Hayes, then Lux. All right, last would you rather hear Kyle Freeland or Miles Michaelis? These are deeper leagues, I realize that. Michaelis is 25% rostered. He's allowed just two earned runs over his last two starts. was pretty good his last time out here uh, at the Brewers. And next week, he also versus the Brewers again. And then Kyle oh, Freeland. He's got, two, he's got two starts, Michaelis does. Oh, does he really? Well, yep. he was not. He wasn't one of your sleeper pitchers, right? No, he wasn't. He, he I have him in the no thanks category of the two-start sleeper pitcher rankings. But he's at the very top of the no thanks category. So if you're really, 
really pushing to get an extra start in there. His matchups are against the Brewers and against the Cubs, so they're not bad matchups. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and he's only twenty five percent rostered. Did have a he went seven right on Wednesday? Yeah, seven innings, two runs. But yeah, I think that was his one good start since returning from the IL. So um, not ready to put my trust in him. But you know, if you're selling out for volume, I could see how you might want to. Would you rather have him or Kyle Freeland, who is at home against the Nationals next week? I would rather have Michaelis. All right. Uh, Kyle Freeland did turn in a quality start against the Dodgers on Thursday, and I was watching that start. It was real, real rough to start off, and then he just settled down in the final three innings of this one and managed to... uh, and she gets to the quality start there for Kyle Freeland. Starter sit these pitchers for next week. This one seems pretty obvious, but Chris Sale, it looks like he has two starts at the Orioles and at the Nationals, but he's only 64% started. So you're throwing Chris Sale back in there final week? Yeah. All right. And then we have Luis Garcia. In his most recent start at the Angels, he went six shutout. He only had one strikeout. Uh, like Sale, he's only 68% rostered and looks like he has two starts at home against the Rays and the Oakland A's. Feels like he's been a little off lately, but you look at his game log and it's it's not that bad really. I would uh I would say I look, I only have him down for one start. I have Rikiti going twice for the Astros. So uh who would he be facing? If he does just make the one start, it would only be that would be against Tampa Bay. Yeah, so pretty tough matchup for Garcia. I don't. I wouldn't say he's must sit, but I'm not. I'm not terribly excited about starting him. Certainly, I'd start like Joe Ryan over him. I'd start out. Uh, I don't know that I'd start Alex Cobb over him. <laughs> there might only be one sleeper pitcher that I'd start over. Yeah, Luis Garcia. That's pretty close. Luis Garcia versus Tampa or Alex Cobb at the Rangers. Mm-hmm. I I think I would go with Cobb, but that is that's pretty damn close. Uh, next one up here we have Corey Kluber, who could not survive the fifth inning against the Texas Rangers on Wednesday. Four and a third, eight hits, three runs, and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but CBS has him for two starts yep. at Toronto and versus Tampa Bay next week. Everything on the line. I mean, these are massive matchups, uh, and they're tough yeah. ones too. So he's only, he's only 41 percent started right now. Yeah, I have him in the no thanks section of the two-star pitcher rankings as well, below Miles Michaelis. So only one good start since returning from the IL. I don't yep. really see why you could use him, how you could use him, especially with these matchups. Yep. Oh, gosh, man. I just realized that our season is in the hands of Corey Kluber. This is <laughs> it's not a good our feeling. Our season meaning Yankees. Yeah, yeah, obviously, because I'm like okay. majority uh, shareholder of the New York Yankees. You know, <laughs> you know me, <laughs> Big Bucks Frank. Uh, Ian Anderson at the Diamondbacks in his most recent start. Uh, this was on Wednesday. Seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts to one walk. He was phenomenal. 15 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. And he is 56% started. And I think he has two starts at home against the Phillies and Mets. So I was torn whether to call him a must-start to start pitcher or put him the next category down in sleepers and questionables. I went with must-start. So, Ooh. yeah, with the, with the two starts coming up, two of his last three starts have been great. I I think with him going twice this week, you got to use him. All right, get Ian Anderson back out there. Only fifty-six percent started, so get him in your lineups. Chris Flexen. Uh, at the Oakland A's, 
in his most recent start. Seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts. He is only 55% started, and it looks like he might have two starts at home against the A's and Angels next week. Is that correct for Chris Flexen? Yes, it is. I have him in sleepers and questionables. Okay. But I would lean yes. I, you know, it's you, you, you think twice in a 5x5 five five league, a roto league, where uh, where ERA and, and whip are higher priority for you than wins in, in strikeouts. Not that he's a big strikeout guy anyway. You know, you, you just kind of have to assess your situation in those leagues. You know, what categories do I really need the most help in? Does it make sense to risk it with two starts here? But that's kind of true for every pitcher, except the most high-end ones anyway in those leagues. Um, you know, does it make sense for me to just start six relievers this week or something like that? <laughs> But I would say in most circumstances, and certainly in all points leagues, you're probably starting Flexen. Well, how about Aaron Savale? Would you be starting him in all points leagues? Because got a funny story for you here, Scotty. Okay. I'm in the uh, I'm in the final week of well, I'm in the finals of Tout Wars. There's obviously one week left. It's a two week matchup. I'm going up against Ariel Cohen, who is the defending champion, and I had a 60 point lead going into Thursday. I had Aaron Savale start. <laughs> My lead is oh. now down to 30 points. He gave me negative 14 and a half fantasy points, basically canceling out everything that Charlie Morton did. Morton gave me 15 points, so I got a half a point between those two. And it was like <laughs> this whole convoluted situation because in, in Tout Wars, you could you set your lineup for Monday and, and Friday. You could change your lineup again. So everywhere that I looked on Monday had Max Scherzer pitching Friday this week. So I left Max Scherzer on my bench, and then it turns out that he's pitching Thursday. So I see Aaron Savale give me this huge negative spot early in the day, and then I have Max Scherzer out there, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy's on my bench. He's about to go off. It turns out <laughs> Max Scherzer uh, is a human. He, he came yeah. back down to life. He obviously was in Coors Field, so it's a tough matchup. But, man, that could have worked out so, so poorly for me. Uh, if Max Scherzer pitched well. <laughs> that was a long story and, and a long way of asking, Scott. Savali is 45% started on CBS. He's had two good starts. He's had two bad starts. He's at Kansas City next week, and I mentioned they are hitting better as of late. What do we do with Aaron Savali? I mean, they weren't just bad. He gave up seven earned runs in an inning and two-thirds. He gave up four Thursday. home runs. Four homers. Four home runs, and in that other bad start, he gave up three. So it's been pretty vulnerable to the long ball. And I don't know. I'm not I'm not really feeling it. I'm not really feeling it. He he could maybe he throws seven shutout innings against her at Kansas City next week. I think that's within his capabilities, but I I'm a little scared of another one of these disaster starts now that he's had two of the last three like that. Uh, Zach Plesak, in his most recent start against the White Sox, five and a third, two runs, four strikeouts. He is 59% started also at the Royals next week. No. Nope. All right, you Darvish, last one here. Uh, he gave up four runs over five and a third against the Giants on Wednesday. He had seven strikeouts. He's 73% started. His final start is at the Dodgers next week. Uh, with that matchup, it kind of makes it easy, right? And his He didn't... He had that seven-inning gym. I think it was against the Cardinals last weekend, right? Yes. But then he comes right back with another... I mean, it wasn't a disastrous start against the Giants, but it wasn't good. And then he has just as tough a matchup, if not tougher, next week. So if you're selling out for upside and just 
you know, you, you, you know, you kind of have to, what's the word I'm looking for? So we'll say thread the needle, though there's a better expression than that. Uh, in the final week and just kind of have to give the, you have to give your, your, your team a higher ceiling, the highest possible ceiling it can to win. Then it makes sense to start somebody like Darvish because you know what good Darvish can do for you. But if you're, if you're just setting your lineup normally and just, you know, um, trying to avoid the disaster that he could bring, probably set up. All right, I lied. There is one more that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. <laughs> I think I know your answer, but Aaron Nola made a start on Thursday against the Pirates. He gave up six runs over six innings pitched. He did have eight strikeouts to one walk. He allowed two more home runs. That brings him to 26 home runs allowed this season. That is one shy of his career high. He now has a 4.64 ERA. That comes with a 3.31 XFIP. I think that Nola is going to be a very polarizing player to figure out in the offseason. I tweeted about him. I had a bunch of different responses. Some people were, oh, I had him this year. I'll never draft him again. Other people were, you know, I'll buy the dip if you're getting him at a value next year. So I think it's going to be all over the place. But all we care about right now, Scott, is at the Braves next week. Would you start Aaron Nola there? What does going down with the ship mean to you, Frank? <laughs> It means I wish that he was starting against the Marlins because that's yeah. the other team the Phillies are facing next week. Well, yes. I've been saying all along I'll, I'll go down with the ship with Nola. And I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. I mean, look. it He's broken. There, There's, some, no, there's something wrong come with on. him. There's something what wrong do you mean by him, broken? I mean, he has... He's slightly off. That's not the same as broken. No, I mean, look, I mean, semantics here, but being slightly off means you can be broken. It doesn't mean that it's unfixable. He, he made a positive contribution in fantasy today. He had a 117 whip. He struck out eight. He got a win. He scored 16 points in CBS, <laughs> standard CBS. Leads. You mentioned everything. He, he, he made a positive <laughs> contribution in three of the four roto categories he can make a contribution in. The only one he made a negative uh, contribution in was ERA. So, what well, what was his hey, ERA, Scott? You didn't mention that. It was you know it was high. It it was nine. Yeah, but still, I mean, overall, this was a, you benefited from using Aaron Nola in in what was you know clearly not not his best effort. Man. But four of the six runs he gave up were on home runs, and this has been his problem all year. Everything looks awesome except the home runs. And now he faces and I, the Braves. I think Braves. he's still a good pitcher. All he does, he, he, all the Braves do is hit home runs, Scott. I know. Well, they strike out a lot, too. Um, I think Nola could throw a gym against them. And uh, it's just, it's it's the sort of thing I could live with. I think Aaron Nola is still a good pitcher. I think basically every number but ERA shows that. And if, if starting Aaron Nola is the reason I lose, like, I'll be able to sleep after that, you know? If sitting Aaron Nola is the reason I lose, that's going to hurt for a long time. That's just where I'm at with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm 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 sticking with Aaron Nola. And that's I, I mean, you bring up next year, and and the thing is, like, I I understand just the, you know, Joe fantasy player on Twitter. You know, there's there's a lot of emotion behind everything, and you know, he feels like he got burned and. So he's just, I'm never going to do it again. I mean, you, you never hear a fantasy analyst say, I'm never going to draft X, player X again because he burned me this year. That's just not, 
a reason, a, a rational way to go about things. But I, I actually looked it up before the show prior to today's start, which again, only elevated his fantasy stock. Aaron Nola is the number 33 starting pitcher this year in both points leagues and Roto. I mean, you obviously drafted him to be much better than 33, but 33 is still must start more or less, you know? And I know volume has something to do with that. But if you're talking about drafting Aaron Nola for next year, the fact that he provides so much volume year year after year obviously has to go into your thinking, especially when you look around the league right now and, you know, half the pitchers we've been counting all season are suddenly unavailable. Like there's, there's a lot to be said for being available. And I think it was worst case outcome for Nola anyway. So I think, I think we're going to see a big bounce back season from him. And as it is, he was still a, he's still been a top 30 ish pitcher this year in both formats. So I think, uh, I think the dissatisfaction is a little overblown. I think virtually everybody's going to rank him as a top 20 starting pitcher next year. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of big talk right now about, oh, I'd never do that. But, you know, when push comes to shove, everybody's lists are going to kind of kind of come together and the consensus is going to be he's a top 20 pitcher still. Do you have Aaron Nola on any team, Scott? I do. Yeah, I have him on several. All right. Because I was going to say, if you don't, then it's easier for you to say from like the outside looking in. But OK, if you have him on your teams, uh, I will point out he was drafted as the eighth starting pitcher off the board coming into the season. To be SP thirty three, no, I'm not saying he's up to his draft position. No, 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 no. I know, I know that's not what you're saying, but I think that you're kind of underselling how bad he's been. SP thirty three as the eighth starting pitcher off the board. That's a that's a pretty, in my opinion, that's a pretty massive disappointment. I'm just saying, I think a lot of people are overselling how bad he's been because he's been just in a general pitcher sense good. Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, leftovers from Wednesday. A few things I want to hit on. I mentioned Juan Soto. He is hot. Six hits, three homers over his last two games. Uh, not really much to see there. Juan Soto is awesome. He will be a first-round pick next year. Zach Wheeler is having a big September finish. Four starts. He's allowed just three earned runs, 32 strikeouts over 23 and two-thirds innings. He is at the Braves next week, a team that he has dominated this year. 1.35 ERA over four starts against them. Kyle Schwarber had a double dong on Wednesday. He is up to 31 homers. Max Kepler, a double dong. He's up to 19. Really disappointing year for Max Kepler. Not a disappointing year for Paul Goldschmidt. Someone we have not given enough credit to this year. Uh, actually, this was on Thursday. He did this. Thursday? Tuesday? Whatever. Well, it's 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 the sort of thing, like, obviously he's rostered everywhere and has been from the start, so how much is it worth talking about? But yeah, right, the, yeah. over the last three months, he's, he's hit over, I don't have the exact numbers, but since the start of July, I know he's hit well over 300. Like, it's looked like retro Goldschmidt, basically. And I have him, like, fourth in my first base rankings right now. So he's he's quietly gained a lot of ground for me. Yep. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, what I was looking for was a double dong on Thursday. Uh, he has three homers over his last two games. He's batting 291, 29 home runs, 12 steals. The 12 steals just really comes out of nowhere. So uh, awesome bounce back season from Paul Goldschmidt. Much like Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller is human. He was at Coors Field uh, on Wednesday and he allowed five earned runs over three and two thirds. It was just the third time this year that he did not complete six innings. That is out of 31 starts. So 
Awesome year. Horsefield's been looking corsier lately. Oh yeah. Don't you feel like? Oh yeah. Might 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 really uh really want to third guess that Josiah Gray decision. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was just thinking. I was like, man, Josiah Gray and Coors Field and against Boston, that is... Because uh, we've already second-guessed it. Now we're going to third-guess it. Yeah, just just don't do it. <laughs> That's yeah. my advice, even in a points league. Uh, no. uh, how about this? Would you uh, would you start Josiah Gray or Aaron Savali next week? I w- would <laughs> start... Unless I was specifically chasing strikeouts, I would start Savali. All right. Uh, also on Wednesday, Kyle Seager went three for five with his 35th home run. I mean, uh, Duvall having an awesome year. Kyle Seager, another one just flying under the radar. I know the batting average is awful, but 35 homers. Uh, Austin Riley has homered in three straight. He's now up to 32 home runs. Buster Posey went four for five with two doubles on Wednesday. He's batting 306 with a 902 OPS, uh, much like Paul Goldschmidt. Awesome bounce back year for Buster Posey. Fernando Tatis hit his 40th home run on Wednesday. He's batting 285, 40 homers, 25 steals, even with all the time that he missed this year. Thursday, a few leftovers. Tim Anderson, uh, double dong, 16 homers, 17 steals this year, 306 batting average. He's missed some time. I was all over Tim Anderson this year. I think overall it was it was disappointing, uh, at least with what I was expecting for him. Luis Robert went two for three with his ninth homer, and he is having just an awesome year. I, I know it's a smaller sample, but strikeout rate is at 20%. His line drive rate is 29%. 91st percentile in max exit velocity for Luis Robert. Somebody I think I'm going to be very, very excited to draft uh, next year in that White Sox lineup. Adam Wainwright, also human. Who would have thought? Four innings, five runs against the Brewers. That raises his ERA to 3.05. It's been <laughs> awesome. Uh, Mitch Hanniger hit his 35th home run. Matt Olson hit his 38th home run. He's got a 258 batting average in the second half, which is more along the lines of what we expected from Matt Olson coming into this year. So if you're just projecting for next season, 260, 265-ish hitter, I, I still think that is a fair projection for Matt Olson. Uh, Logan Webb. Also human at the Padres. He gave up four in runs over four innings pitched. His final start is at home uh, next week. You mentioned he might have two starts, right, Scott? Logan Webb? I have Logan Webb as a two-star pitcher, yes. Okay. Though it's not clear when Scott Kazmir is going again. He's uh, Gabe Kapler said he'll probably get another turn. It, it depends where they insert Kazmir, but whether it's two starts or one, I think you should stick with Webb. Uh, yeah, because if it is one start, it's at home against the Diamondbacks, and obviously that is awesome. Ryan Mountcastle hit his 31st home run of the year, and Teoscar Hernandez hit his 30th. Great season for uh, for both of those guys as well. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates. On Wednesday, we had Alex Calame pick up his 15th save for the Twins. He did give up two earned runs. We had Giovanni Gallegos get his 12th save of the season on Thursday, and I have a feeling he's probably still available in way too many leagues. For the Rockies, Carlos Estevez gave up three hits and a run. He took his sixth blown save of the season. Man, the, the poor Rockies. Like, I want the Rockies to be good. I don't know why. It's like a random feeling that I have, but like, they just cannot get pitching. I understand like it's such a unique place to pitch, but they just cannot put anything together. They're not. They don't trade away Trevor Story. They just do so many questionable things to Rockies. I don't. I don't. Do you know that? Do you know they entered today five games back of the Padres? Sheesh. Uh, I mean, that is more <laughs> of a reflection of the Padres than I think it is of the Rockies. Uh, for yeah. the 
for the Mariners on Thursday, Paul Seawald got his 10th save of the season. Drew Steckenrider picked up saves on both Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, the last four saves have gone to Seawald, Steckenrider, Steckenrider, Seawald. The Mariners. Uh, for the Diamondbacks on Thursday, J.B. Wendelkin picked up his second save. Tyler Clippard pitched in a non-save situation on Wednesday and gave up three earned runs. And then for the Orioles on Thursday, Cole Sulcer recorded five outs across the seventh and eighth. Tyler Wells picked up his fourth save of the season. Anything you'd like to add on these bullpens you just mentioned? Not really. All right. No, I mean, if you're if you're trying to corner a, clo- a new closer now <laughs> with, <laughs> what, 10 days to go in the season, I mean... Good luck to you. Hey, man. Roto Leagues, every save can matter this time of year, Sky. You move up one spot in the standings, it, it can it can change things. So uh, it's it's always a wacky final week of the season with uh, those Roto standings kind of just still jumping all over the place. So you might be desperate for saves somewhere. Friday, to stream or not to stream, we have Tony Gonsolin at the Diamondbacks, Tyler McGill at the Brewers, Eric Lauer versus the Mets, Paolo Espino at the Reds, Carlos Hernandez at the Tigers and J-Hap at the Cubs. Well, I would say that my favorites here are... Uh, there's a few pretty good ones here. Eric Lauer against the Mets. Yes. Uh, Tony Gonsolin at Arizona. Yes. Tyler McGill at the Brewers. Carlos Hernandez at the Tigers. I'm, I'm fine with all four of those. Mm. Probably in that order. All right. I might put Carlos Hernandez ahead of Tyler McGill just because, I don't know, Miguel, like when McGill's bad, he's he's really bad, so it's kind of scary. Uh, Saturday, streamers, John Lester at the Cubs, Tyler Anderson at the Angels, Eric Fetty at the Reds, Rich Hill at the Brewers, Nestor Cortez at the Red Sox, and Jordan Lyles at the Orioles. Uh, let's go with, I'm still probably going to lean toward Nestor Cortez at Boston here, even though it's not a great matchup in his last start. You know, kind of took a step back. I, I just think he's the best pitcher here. Um, but I don't mind Tyler Anderson at the Angels and Rich Hill at the Brewers. Mr. Anderson. They're making a new Matrix movie, Scott. What do you think? Did you see the trailer? I I have not seen the trailer. I have not so seen I the can... third movie yet. Well, <laughs> it's one of those that, like, it's just the Matrix. Yeah. You know, it kind of like Jurassic Park. It's just Jurassic Park. They, they may have made more under that title, but we, we know there was really just the one. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it. I think it was last year I watched The Matrix for the first time and I came back with a, not really a review, but my review of it. I, I thought it was very good. It, it, it didn't age as poorly as I thought it would. Uh, and then I watched the second Matrix movie and it was bad. It was really bad. It was, <laughs> it was so bad that I didn't want to watch the third one. So I'm yeah. going to have to pull myself together here, watch the third movie because I would I would like to watch the fourth one. So... Eventually, <laughs> I'll make it happen. Uh, Sunday, streamers. Antonio Sensatella versus the Giants. Jake Woodford at the Cubs. Josh Rogers at the Reds. Shane Boz, auto start, versus the Marlins. <laughs> Willie Peralta versus the Royals. And Chris Bubich at the Tigers. Yeah. I don't really want to recommend any of these others other than than Boz. I guess Antonio Sensatella would be my second choice, but going against the Giants, don't feel great about that. All right, let's wrap up with a few emails here from Nick in Chicago. Who are some guys that I can target that will get me some innings pitched following an opener? I'm trying to get as many extra innings uh, pitched 
as possible without going over the 20 start limit in a two week long head to head categories championship where innings pitched is a category. Well, I meant to research this beforehand <laughs> <laughs> because this is a little bit tougher to do on the spot. Um, let me, uh, I'll pull Ross up stripling maybe. Yeah. There, there isn't, there aren't a lot of clear opener situations around the league right now. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't give you a lot of suggestions. Yeah, it, it is. It is tougher for sure. Uh, I will try to pull up some reliever stats for the month of September and see who has the most innings pitched to this point and uh, see if there's anyone that catches our eye here. So let's see who do we got. Who do we have? Uh, Adbert Alzali, he's someone I know has been pitching multiple innings at a time. Not that it's not. You don't think it, I don't think they've been good innings, but yeah. No, I, he has he has a one point nine eight ERA. 10, oh, ten point really? ten point five K per nine zero walks allowed. So he's okay. pitching. I'm he's totally dead wrong on that. Then <laughs> sorry. Uh, he's he's pitching pretty well. We have. Aaron Ashby has 12 and a third innings pitched for the Brewers, a 1.46 ERA. Who else? Someone that stands out. Brian Shaw with Clinton. Nope, he has a five ERA. That's not good. Uh, Jose Urania. No, that guy stinks. Garrett Richards has thrown 11 and two thirds. These aren't really followers. They're not bulk relievers, but... They're just multi-inning relievers. Yeah, they're multi-inning relievers. He's looking for. Garrett yeah. Richards has a 1.54 ERA in September. So he has pitched well. Uh, Cody Hoyer with the Cubs, 2.31. Alex Reyes might be available. I think that's a good one. 2.31 ERA, still getting a lot of strikeouts. The walks are a little bit high for him. Dietrich Enns is someone who was kind of a bulk reliever for Tampa Bay. He got their most recent save, but he's pitching well. That's the name I was trying to think of, yeah. Dietrich Enns. No, Rowan Wick has an ERA over five. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's probably it. I think that should suffice. That's that's a good amount of it's uh, good amount of names for you. From Kevin, thank you guys for getting me back to back finals appearances in my league. You're welcome. And uh, my offense has been dominant all year, but my pitching staff is falling apart in the second half. Join the club. I've been taking advantage of the fact that waivers run twice a week in our league, Thursday and Sunday nights, to stream together a decent staff. I'm looking for some streaming help to get me a championship. Can you rank the following options for the weekend separately from the options for the first half of next week? All right, so for for Friday through Sunday, eh, we just talked about a lot of these guys, but it sounds like Lauer, Rich Hill, Casey Mize, Gonsolin, Singer. I think Singer, does he start this weekend? I think he does. Um, I know Lauer and Gonsolin were two names that you liked, right, Scott? Yeah, I think those would be my top two. I don't believe Singer is going this weekend, actually. Yeah. Otherwise, I might consider him. Okay. And then for Monday through Thursday next week, Kyle Hendricks at the Pirates. No, we just, no, we can't do it. Uh, Alex Wood versus the Diamondbacks. Chris Flexen versus Oakland. Yusei Kikuchi, no. Adrian Hauser at St. Louis. Maybe one or two. Hmm. Flexen. Flexen. And I think Hauser. Probably. That's that's a less inspiring group, actually. Yep. All right. Well, we will wrap there. That is our preview for the final week of the season. For Scott, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.